Well, hi, and welcome to the Living with Power Hope podcast. My name is Lena Abijamra, and I'm your host. It's great to be back with you another week. We are finishing a three-week pre-launch of my book sort of series, and so it's been exciting times here. September 7th, this book launches. It's called Fractured Faith, Finding Your Way Back to God in an Age of Deconstruction. So if you are tuning in because that is a theme that is close and near to your heart, then we're glad you're here. We're especially glad you're here. And if you've just followed our ministry for some time, we're so happy you're back. You can find out more about our ministry at livingwithpower.org or download our app, the Living With Power app. Hey, um, today's a kind of a unique, fun episode. In it, my sister, Diana, who is the director of operations of our ministry, she runs our fundraising and our interactions with donors. Anyway, she is interviewing me with a question and answer session about the book, Fractured Faith. This was a fun conversation. It's a little longer than usual, so I'm not going to say much on this end of it, but I think you're going to enjoy it. I share my heart a lot about the book and what you're going to get out of it, and I hope that it blesses you. If you haven't gotten the book yet, you can get it at Amazon or any of the bookstores um, online, and if you have gotten it and read it, uh, don't forget to leave us a review on Amazon, but mostly, thank you. Uh, We're so glad you're here, and uh, with that in mind, let's tune in to the interview. With that in mind, today we decided, so we've had the last couple of weeks, if, we, if you've been tuning in, we have been talking about, I've, I've basically talked to you about my experience, why I wrote Fractured Faith, and sort of a big picture, you know, sort of idea. And, and by the way, Diana, if Sam is around, he can come say hi. Some, some people have asked about Sam. If he's already in bed, that's fine. But, um, but anyway, today we're going to do a question and answer, so I'm going to shut up in a minute. Actually, I'm going to pray, and then Diana's going to take over to ask the question. She's going to, Diana's my sister. If you're on the podcast and you're listening to this later, uh, Diana is my sister sister. She runs the operations of our ministry. She has her own uh, world. I mean, she's a physical therapist and has a uh, has had a brick and mortar office for years. And now she's transitioning into a lot of the uh, online health and wellness uh, world. And she can tell us more about it uh, later as, if you're interested as well. But by and large, uh, she is uh, a woman who came on to work for our ministry. Uh, actually, now she's working for free, which is my favorite kind of work. Also, I told you guys I like good deals. But basically, she runs our operations our donor relations and doing just an amazing job. Our ability to reach the people of Lebanon and the Syrian refugees has just increased dramatically since she's come on. Any of you who have had an opportunity to to interact with her, love her, and honestly, half of you are here tonight because you want to hear what she has to say, how she's going to stop me. And so I I really, you know, she sent me a couple of questions ahead of time, but honestly, I'm not an interviewer that looks at questions. I'll tell you that ahead of time. I skimmed them really briefly, but bottom line, I'm a fly on the seat of your pants. I like to be put on the spot. And so let me go ahead and pray. And um, I think that was a lot of sort of housekeeping. I covered everything, right, Diana? But no, basically, um, we're pretty pumped. It's a big season for us. We've got the Hope Ranch. Our retreat center is launching uh, the week of September 10th, 11th, I think. So if you're looking for, after you read the book, as we get into the the chapters, you're going to see how the Hope Ranch uh, sort of grew out of the, the season that I've lived with the book. But I think you'll hear more about that here in a few moments. So let me just go ahead and pray. Uh, So God, we just want to thank you for another day, another uh, breath that you've given us, even now, just this ability to think and speak and breathe and be. God, it's not because of us. There's nothing any of us can do, whether we're feeling sick today or coming out of illness or whether we are in our full health. God, we realize that it is your mercy that has and your grace that has given us the very breath that allows us to be here. So, Father, first of all, thank you for that. And Lord, thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. I've just been thinking so much in the last few days about how you work. And honestly, sometimes it baffles us how you work. But but just you have a way of just reaching to the depth of our hearts and 
and uncovering the painful areas in our life and bringing us to a place of healing. Lord, sometimes that process is not easy. Many of us are walking through it even now. And so, Father, forgive us where we need forgiveness. Teach us how to forgive where we need that. So many of us need that. But God, heal us. Above all, heal us. Help us to walk in the freedom that only you can give. And so, Father, bless this conversation. Thank you for this book. Oh, God, thank you that the work is done for it. But mostly, God, thank you for what you are going to do and are doing in people's lives through it. Oh, Father, we just know that there's so much pain right now in the church in the United States. We, we, we know it. We hear it. We see it. God, there's so much distrust among people in general, in and out of the church. God, there's so much just the sense of feeling overwhelmed and tired and burnt out. And so, God, we pray your peace over those areas. We pray for provision. We pray for your rest, God. You've invited us to that rest. And so, God, even tonight, we ask that you would, no matter where we're tuning in from, maybe people who are listening are listening to this later on on the podcast or on YouTube or, God, maybe even later on the Facebook. I pray for every person, man or woman, who is listening to this show right now here in the U.S. or overseas, maybe in situations that we can't even comprehend, that your presence would be palpable and near. And so, God, thank you for another chance to glorify you. We give you all of the glory, all the praise. We rejoice in who you are above all. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There he is. Sam sighting. All right, many of you have been waiting to see Sam. There he is. <laughs> all showered up and dressed up. How are you, Sam? Good. Have you read the book yet? Read a few chapters. There's one of my nephews makes an appearance in the book, but we're not going to say where and when. But my favorite nephew is sitting right here in front of my face. Excited to have you here tonight. We're going to do a song some other time. You want to say anything before we dive into our interview? No. All right. Good night, Sam. All right. Well, we are going to dive into our interview tonight. We're so glad to have you with us. And, um, if you are watching on live, let us know. And if you're watching later, guys, also let us know. We uh, love to get to know you. I love when I get to talk to some of you as I connect with you, as I oversee donor relations and through the Facebook group. So this is just really fun. And before we start with the interview, this two box thing reminds me of my favorite story to tell about Lena when we <laughs> shared the bedroom. You see down the middle of the screen, there's a line dividing <laughs> Right here. Stays on the other. And when we were growing up, we <laughs> Lena had the side of the bedroom where the closet was. And the balcony. The window. Yeah, and the balcony. And the, the same way our screen is divided, she would divide the room, and I was not allowed to go to the closet or the balcony. <laughs> but somehow she could leap outside of the room, and she was not affected. That's why they called me the Leaping Lena. <laughs> yes, yeah, Leaping Lena. The name, and here we are tonight with a divide. But uh, grateful to how God has led us to be able to serve together, and I am just really honored to be here um, to do this. So tonight we're doing like a mock interview. You know, Lena needs to prepare for the real interviews coming up. So you guys are going to be her first crew. And so if you have questions, I'll look down. I've got my computer here. My questions. We're going to start with an interview style, and then we're going to answer some of the Q and A's that came through. Um, the Facebook, but if you have any others, then go ahead and put them down. So uh, let's 
get going. And uh, Lena, we are so excited about how God has led you to write this book. And today, I just want to start with uh, finding out more about what inspired you, kind of what led you to write Fractured Faith. <laughs> um, well, that's a good question. I, none of the books that I wrote, it's funny, I think about my journey in writing. I started in, in, in my calling and teaching the Bible was, was sort of what I felt God wanted me to do. So I, I really never grew up thinking I was gonna write a book. I'm a doctor, as many of you know, I'm a doctor by training. And so uh, I was practicing pediatric emergency. I actually was doing my fellowship in pediatric emergency medicine when I felt God's call to teach the Bible. And I never felt that God was calling me away from medicine. I sort of thought I'd have two jobs in a sense. And I was teaching and growing the ministry in my town at the time in Jacksonville, Florida. And as that unfolded, you know, it was sort of a dream to write books. And so, you know, eventually by the time my first book came out, it was actually funny because it, I, I, even then it wasn't really something that I sought out as much as I was doing ministry and writing blogs and I had a sort of a gift in writing I knew that I had done well on all of the standardized tests and writing uh, that was the only thing I did really well on I was very average in test taking but I did really well, well in writing and so I wrote this blog for a couple of years and then I started working at a big mega church um, that's part of this story of fractured faith but 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 there were a lot of steps leading up to working at that church and but so that by the time that first book came out it seemed like inevitable that my destiny was to write. I was sort of doing the type of things that a lot of women in ministry were doing in that season of you know 2005 to 2013 when my first book came out. And it came out when Moody Publishers actually must have heard about me or read some of my blogs. And, and I got an email from Holly Kisley, who was an editor or an acquisitions editor at Moody, and said, hey, are you interested in, have you ever thought about writing a book about singleness? And honestly, I hadn't, I, 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 it was a dream. Like if you said, what is one thing you wanna do before you die, I would have said maybe I want to write a book. But but at that point, I was writing Bible studies, and so it was clear that it would it would be part of like I could see where God would use it as part of the ministry of living with power. We had started living with power right around that time. I had gotten a 5013 status because I knew as a doctor I was starting to do a lot of medical missions and just saw that God was growing this ministry vision that He had given me. And so long and short of it, I wrote the first couple of books, and then after the second book came out, is around the time when I left my church, and it was it was an extremely traumatic experience um, less so it was it was traumatic when I was going through it but but I think it became more traumatic in that first or second year after leaving that big church and I think some of that trauma was because of the fact that I was so in tune to God's call on my life and it seemed like I was in a place where that call was going to you know grow and explode and it was things were going so well and by leaving it was almost felt like it was going to be shut up now and so it, that following year I remember somehow in a weird also God thing I was approached about writing resolved but that came after a lot of failure in trying to write another book so I sort of had given up on writing and then God brought that venue to write it and so by the time then so I I finished the third book resolved and honestly anyone in my family knows like it is kind of there's a lot of PTSD related to writing like it is my mom says to me every time I'm gonna write a book like why are you going to write a book Lena just don't write anymore because because it's very metric based and metrics and Lena don't do well together and so the Christian about well, the writing industry in general and but but the Christian world in general in the United States is very metrics 
focused. In fact, a lot of the, the culture that I had been in in that season of leaving my church was very metric focused. How many books you sold, how many places you spoke at. And so even though you intellectually might know that that's not God's way, you're sucked into a system that pushes those things. So every time a book would come out, it was like a defeat in my psyche. Like I'm a loser. I'm not selling as much as I should. And so honestly, like the last thing I wanted to do was write another book. And by that third book, I thought my mom is right. Like I can serve Jesus. I don't need to be writing books to do it because it's just destroying me, sucking the life out of me. Well, in, in that 2016 to 2019, actually today I was looking at an old journal. I, I you know, honestly, I wasn't blogging anymore because the blogs were out of favor. So what were we, we were doing more podcasts and we our work in Lebanon was growing. And but but, but around that time, honestly, I started I think my my church world started to unravel is what happened. And even looking back, <laughs> I think like I, I think it wasn't until I started really sitting, you know, it was around the time that I, that somebody from Moody again approached me about writing. And, and I'll tell you, the, actually, I'll tell you the story. I think this, this is exactly how it played out, because I think sometimes people think there's this big, aha, you know, you sit around your house and dream about a book you're going to write. Trust me, if anybody sat around, they, they wouldn't write this book. It's a book about a lot of pain. But I remember um, Judy Dunnigan, who is my acquisitions editor for this uh, particular book, um, she and I had connected at a couple of meetings that I had been at, and, and she had heard me speak at a conference about my book, Stripped. And uh, honestly, even that conference, there was a lot of pain involved, but the, but the talk was very rich. And I remember I went to lunch a couple of times, and she could see sort of what God was doing in my life, even when I couldn't see it. It was a very dark season of my life. And I remember she asked me to go out to dinner, and I put her off a little. And eventually, because honestly, I put her off because I was a little embarrassed to go out with somebody from Moody after I felt like my books had not done as well. So I, I just... It was always this tension in my soul, like they don't really like me, they think I'm a loser, which wasn't true, but but I carried that burden. And so and so finally I was like, okay, I'll go to dinner. That week I had spoken at Judson University, and 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 it was the maybe two weeks after the Joshua Harris, who now is very publicly deconstructed. I remember he had gone through his deconstruction and gone public to say, here's what happened to me. He divorced his wife, and then the next week he was like, now nah, I'm not even a Christian. And it was just so much like just explosive story. And I was invited to speak at Judson. And in that season, when that was coming out a couple of years ago, and, and at the time, I wanted to do a message, sort of the other side of deconstruction and in sort of the, the reconstruction of faith. And so I, 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 I called the message Reconstructing Faith. And so by the time Judy asked me to go to dinner, she had wanted, she, she I, and I don't know that I saw exactly why we were going to dinner. I thought she would just be nice to me and liked me. But in the conversation, she says, have you thought about writing again? What would you write about if you were going to write now? Well. I, in my head, I was like, you don't understand. My, my mom's voice is like, don't ever write another book. Not because my mom doesn't love me, but because she wants to protect me from the roller coaster of writing. And so, so I said to Judy, uh, all I could think about, I remember sitting there freezing a little. And then in my head, I thought, God, what am I going to say? And as we were like trying to you know, swallow the food in my mouth, I maybe chewed it a little bit longer than usual. The only thing I really could come up with was, the, was sort of the message that had, had been so... So like when I taught that message at Judson, it came from a place of like, it was the beginning sort of of walking that journey of uncovering that painful process of what I had just lived through for the past, since 2013, 14, now we were in 18, 19. And so it was all sort of coming to a head. And, and, and that talk was sort of the beginning of that journey of thinking through what had happened to me at the church. And, and as I watched this, this deconstruction in one person's life that had led to now calling himself a non-Christian, I was still a Christian. I was struggling, but I was still a Christian. And I and I sort of 
I, I, that struggle of sort of understanding how how does that happen? How do you okay? We're all wounded, we're all hurting, but but here he is. He's like now saying he's not believing. I don't know, you know, exactly where he is in that process now. He still says he doesn't necessarily believe, although we don't know. But but here I was sort of wrestling with some things and seeing the reality that wrestling is part of the Christian life. So I say to her, well, reconstructing faith, and she actually likes it, and so that led to a couple of conversations and emails where they actually wanted me to submit a proposal for the book. Well, I didn't have a proposal for the book. So basically, I um, put it off as much as I could. And Diana, I don't know if you were formally, I don't think you were formally on board yet. You came on that Christmas. This was about October of 2019. And I think we finally, I finally was embarrassed not to submit the proposal so that by the time, I think early, late October, early November, I submitted some proposal. I was convinced they were gonna reject it, honestly. I thought she was just being nice to me. And the day before Christmas, I got the approval for the book. And, and it was a mixed feeling, honestly. A mixed feeling in that, of course, anyone who's written is, is gratified by getting another book deal. Don't ever think that there's not any joy in that. There was, despite the pain, there's a lot of joy in knowing, okay, I, I have another chance to try to say something. And, and you can tell, even from the answer to this one question that I, I have a lot to say. <laughs> but, but good thing I write and I'm only on here for an hour every week because I talk a lot. But basically, um, I, I, I remember kind of having mixed feelings. I was happy to have been given another chance, but just petrified at the process that would be ahead of me. And so that was the birth of originally, and for the longest time, the book was called Reconstructing Faith. And I don't remember the exact subtitle that we originally worked with, but the word, it was something related to deconstruction. I think it was finding your way back to God when you've been, when something about disillusioned or something with Christianity. So we were, it was really the focus on was sort of this, like, I, I'm, I'm disappointed in Christianity. And so the, the but, but we eventually changed it. That, and that's another story. Yeah, that's uh, another question that we might dive into. But my next question, and I, there's a lot of good comments coming through the feed here. And uh, just a lot of um, interesting kind of, as I listened to Lena share that is the reminder of how God takes the weaknesses, the hurt, the things that we struggle with, we don't think, we want to run away from them. And then he, those are the things that he uses to yeah. grow us, and then they use them to minister. And this is really what this book is about. Um, so thank you for um, you know your obedience to God in that, and, and using your experience to help uh, so many others in this topic that is so relevant. I want you in an ER version, because if you don't know this and you're listening, Lena's an ER physician, so I want this to be ER style, a recap of the book. <laughs> in other words, she's like, don't talk a lot. <laughs> okay, all right, uh, well, I'm sending you home, and uh, you, you, you know, you're not dying, you're going home, we're done, right? <laughs> right? There's hope, okay, in ER style, there's hope. If you're struggling with your faith, you're not alone, there's hope, you're gonna be okay, God's got you. You think you've lost your hold on God, he's still got his hold on you. That's it in a nutshell. <laughs> no, really, really, the funny thing is, it is, it is my shortest book, ironically. I mean, it is funny. I, I think you'll see, even in the book, if there's one thing, I've said a couple times in the book, like it recurs, is that uh, you can't you can't condense pain to a three-point formula. You cannot condense healing to a three-point formula. Many of you right now, I know many of you are going through illnesses. I mean, some of you have shared those illnesses, telling us to pray for you. Uh, it, it's so different, isn't it? And you can't like, I mean, granted, there may be the same antibiotic used for two, for two different infections, but you don't know what you might run into. Sometimes an infection doesn't take. Sometimes you need a longer course. Sometimes a person, you know, stops the antibiotics halfway through. Maybe they shouldn't, but they get better. And so there's so many dynamics in it. And I think if I've learned anything about pain and healing, it's that 
you really cannot condense it to two or three easy bullet points. It is a process. And so even as I wrote the book, I wish I could tell you, it was like, oh, I struggled with my faith and then I took these two pills and everything was fine. And so now I'm sharing with you these two pills. No, it was a process. And the process was really about drawing closer to the heart of God. And I, I really believe it is a process that all of us continue to, like, it's, you don't struggle with your faith once and you're done. And, and, and when I'm talking about struggle with faith, I mean, I, th I think it's, yeah, I would say the, the matter of the book, the, the content of the book isn't about just, oh, you know, just sort of a fleeting, is God gonna deliver this promise? I prayed through Romans 8.28 over my thing and it didn't happen. It, it really, I would call it a bigger crisis of faith that happened where I, everything that I was believing about church and leadership, and, and, you know, having grown up, I mean, my, my growing up years was very structured, you know, the church I grew up with, very legalistic, you know, which I don't know that I even, even now, I don't know that we were sucked into the legalism as much as, well, actually, we probably were more sucked into it than we maybe thought. But I think this, 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 this season in the last five or six years of sort of seeing the unraveling of so many people that I respected, uh, so many of the systems that I trusted that I now no longer could trust shook me to the core. And I think, um, I don't know that I ever thought, oh, I'm not going to be a Christian anymore, but I did what every person does when you're hurting, which is I shut everybody out. And I think in the process, and I think this is like the heart of, of what I write about, I shut God out. And I think sometimes we don't think we are shutting him out. You know, we sort of aren't, we don't stop long enough to tell ourselves the truth that we're just like, there's just a barrier. And so you might show up and do all the, and in fact, I wrote the book for people who not so much are like the ones who have left the church who are like, you know, I'm not a Christian anymore. I mean, they might benefit from the book, but really I believe with all my heart that our churches, our pews are now our, our Zoom rooms, wherever you're watching church. I think we're full of people who show up, play the game, say the right things, read their Bibles every day, but there's no intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no closeness with Jesus because because deep down we're hurting and we don't trust him anymore. Because so, and when, when it's a church and leaders of the church that hurt you, I think it plays a mind trick on you because now, you know, you sort of like wonder, is God like them? Is God like them? And he's not. And I think the process of healing uh, has been and continues to be sort of this, this wow understanding that like God is not like the leaders who fall. God is not like the parents who failed you. God is not like those man-made examples. He's so much better. He's, he's so good. And I, I think that's been like the, you know, I've taught so long about the Christian, if you have to summarize in an ER word, one, the Christianity is trust. It's just trust. It's not just an intellectual belief. It's a heart trust in the goodness of God. And it's the goodness of God that led him to the cross, the goodness of God that gives us grace every morning, the goodness of God that understands that we're hurting and doesn't bail us in the moment that we want to be Build. Um, and those are lessons that I wish I could tell you are done. I'm continuing to learn them and deeper and deeper every year. But it's it's painful work and it's unfortunately not a quick ER fix. Yeah, that's really a good statement. Um, it's trust, not just intellectual. I love that. Um, if you're uh, listening and you are walking through a season of hurt, we would love to know that so we can pray for you. And so you can put hurt or healing if you're looking for healing. And really, we want to be um, genuine, vulnerable. Lena's so vulnerable in her leading um, people. And so, again, we would love to know that in the comments. So put hurt or we're looking for healing. Just put one word. Um, and we would love to know that. Lena, if you could summarize, like, who is the ideal person this book is for? Like, describe the Well, I, I think I sort of just said that, you know, but I honestly, I think it's... Yeah. 
I, I would I would say it's it's it, this book is written for people who are Christians first of all who have at some point identified as Christian although it addresses topics for the non-believer so but really it's it's not an apologetics book as much as it is a, a book about disappointment and what you thought your Christian life would look like it is about the disillusionment that happens in your Christian life when you are past the excitement of being a new believer and now you're in a season where you're just wondering like how you know, I gave my life to God. I, I trusted him. I trusted his church. How did it end up this way? And I think, um, you know, for anybody who's hurting, I think this book will reach you somehow. Uh, we're hurting for a lot of reasons. And again, I, I address enough in the book. You know, there's a chapter in the middle about is God fair? You know, there's one about do Christ, why don't Christians love better? Where, that sort of out, there's a bigger net cast that can reach people who might not have a faith in Christ. But honestly, it's, it's you know, there's so many great apologetics books. This is a book for the heart more so than it is for the head. And I think the heart that is wounded, uh, particularly in the context of Christianity, but also honestly just wounds in life that have left you in a place of just deep pain and wondering like, where's God in my pain? And I think that's appropriately the first chapter of the book, where's God in my pain? And I think, uh, you know, it's funny. I mean, even now, like I just, I wrote the book. I wish I could tell you I've graduated, but like even this week, there's situations in my life that have come up and I'm, I asked a question last night, I woke up in the middle of the night and, you know, it's crazy how it works. Like God just like, like, I think his his mercy wakes you up in the middle of the night. You know, his 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 his, his grace, draw, you know, does. And this has been the astounding thing that I think I've learned in the years that I've walked through this, you know, kind of dark night of the soul or valley of the shadow of death, whatever you want to call it. And and you know, it's funny because I think we always have this idea like there's a woman who 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 had, comes to this community whose son just killed her, himself, and and I found out they sent me an email. I haven't had a chance to talk to her. It just happened two weeks ago, and so that's such a clear like difficulty, right? Somebody gets cancer or someone dies from COVID. Like, like there's so many clear, like, this is a really bad thing that happened. We all understand some, you know, but, but there's so much pain in our world that isn't so, you know, like me, you can look at my life and be like, well, she's a doctor. She lives in a nice house. She's got a successful ministry. Like you guys don't see, you know, what the side of it that I see. And so it's so easy to think, man, what could she, what could be going on wrong with her life? And man, you couldn't be further from the truth. Look, is it any wonder that all of the rich, famous people like you hear about who end up either ending their life or being dependent on drugs and alcohol? Why? Because they're hurting, because pain has no, like the way that suffering happens in our world, it doesn't, there's, there's all sorts of it and it doesn't spare someone who has a higher income with somebody who's better educated. And so um, I still am astounded this morning I woke up, I got a new journal. I mean, I've had a journal, but I've got a new one this morning. I thought, okay, I'm starting fresh. I just, I need to start fresh. And still I feel the struggle. It's like I do this Peloton and sometimes the pedals are like, like they tell you, man, you feel the grit. That's how it feels sometimes in Christian life. There's a lot of grit, but I think something is happening inside that we don't see. And I think, I think sometimes we might not see it till eternity, but that pressure of, I gotta find God, I gotta get healing, I gotta be revived, like it's that pressure, I think I'm learning more and more to let go of it because it's not our work to change us, it's God's work to change us. And so bottom line, it's a book for those of you who might connect with anything I just said, who have been hurt by, uh, by God ultimately. And I think that there's a level of honesty that moves away from these people hurt me to God, you hurt me because I thought you would come through for me when they didn't. Like you almost expect people to disappoint you, but you think God's gonna bail you out. And when you don't see it happen right away, it can be the most painful thing in your life. But, but, but listen, 
but he is there. He hasn't left you. And that's the point of this book. It is a book of hope. And the hope is in the fact that you learn with every passing day when you wake up at two in the morning and you can't sleep and you start reading his word and you start sensing his presence. And you're like, I don't know what just happened, but you see how he's never let go of you, even when you thought that he's so far from you that you can't even fathom the words to pray to him. And so that might be your motivation to get a new journal or, or, or get the book. But basically, um, anyway, that's, that's it. No, that's good. And we I asked you to put hurt and heal in the comment and later we're gonna drop the word hope because ultimately, like Lena just said, this book is a book though she says it's about pain, but it's really it's a book on hope because um, again I've read it and I love it. It leads it's ultimately a restoration story of healing, right? A yeah. fracture that heals. Um, Lena, one of the people asked earlier you answered it. I just want to make sure this is touch on. What about when tragedies hit and God does not answer prayers? This person was asking, is this only about church hurt? What about the person who's struggling with sexual identity and wonders where God is? Um, does church yeah. ignore them? Yeah. Are other types of hurt that church hurt? Yeah, yeah. I talk about a lot of it. You know, in hindsight, I was thinking, I mean, probably the only thing I will talk a lot about is, is the role of women in the church. You know, it's ironic because I'm a woman. I wrote, but like all the conversation that is happening in, in the Christian evangelical complex, you know, the uh, big Eva, I think I address in some form or another. There's a chapter dedicated to sort of how Christians have reacted to the LGBTQ community. Some, so what is, like, I've tried to think through what, what are the things that have led to people feeling deconstructed and, 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 and wanting to have nothing to do with the church and and so one chapter is on like is God fair and so these questions that are asked like God how do you let the suffering happen in the world and so I start off with this you know the, the backdrop is the church story uh, I talk a lot about some of the other disappointments in my life so really it's a book about disillusionment with you with with life and with the, and and disappointment and then how and and you'll see a theme I think as you go through in each chapter um how God revealed hope in every one of those situations. And so, yeah, whoever asked that question, uh, it's I, it's crazy, as small as it is. It's probably my best edited book because it's it's 25,000 words less than my other books. So it's easy to get through, which is great because people can't read as much now. But we say a lot in those in those pages. And so I think you'll find it, um, I think, who you know, if you're asking those questions, I think uh, it's worth the, whatever, 10 to 15 bucks to go through it. And it's a quick read. I, I, I write like I speak. So generally people have, you know, it's not something like most people who have read it honestly have read it fairly quickly so it won't take up your life you know how you buy books and they sit on your shelf forever i hope that won't be one of them but anyway yes yeah good that lady has already ordered the book into her defense so <laughs> oh good <laughs> you like it you like it i could sign you a copy if you hadn't ordered it <laughs> yeah yeah guys that's exciting uh in fact uh well let's move on here with the next question so what can i expect uh to, to get as I read through the book like starting point I've been hurt I've been disappointed where does the book walk me through emotionally spiritually mentally kind of walk us yeah, I, genuinely, my goal, uh, I think as I, I wrote it, I think what was happening in my soul, but also what I think you'll see really the ultimate healing is a deeper intimacy with Jesus. I, I, don't, I don't think there's a question that that's what you'll land in at, at the end of every chapter. I don't think you, you'll see that same conclusion at the end of every chapter. There's a deeper connection with Jesus. I will have succeeded if 
what ha what happened in my soul was happening as I wrote the book. I mean, a lot of times you start the process. I mean, I, I started, you know, I started seeing a therapist around the time when I started writing the book. No, coincidentally, by the way, not I didn't say, oh, you know, it was probably six months before. And I because it was around that time I did a conference where I I talked about my experience at the church that sort of brought up a lot of the pain again. And I think I was finally ready to deal with that pain, and it sort of unroofed a lot of the old hurts that I had in my life. And so the timing was great, but I think ultimately. Um, and it's funny, my favorite, Diana did send me a couple questions ahead of time and I, I had seen, so she said, what, what's your favorite chapter to write? I, I think it was the afterword, which is a one page sort of closing thought because it sort of summarizes, and you know, now you can get the book and just read the last page. But no, it sort of summarizes the point, which is, you know, this is really a love story uh, between, you know, it's my love story with the Lord in a sense. And, and I think, I think um, what, you, what I would, what I long for you and what I pray for you, and what I believe will happen is at the end of reading this book, you will have fallen a little bit more in love with the Lord and seen his presence a little more clearly in your life. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I did ask you that. She did look at the questions, guys, for the record. <laughs> I skim, I skim quickly, ER style. What is, what, is, what is the hardest chapter you had to write? I don't know. See, I just skimmed the questions. I mean, honestly, probably the first one. I mean, it was like the idea of wrapping my mind around, you know, it's always the, the first draft is the hardest draft, right? But I mean, it was, I had so much fear about writing another book. Honestly, it was like, I just didn't, I thought, I don't have the words. I was burnt out. I mean, I was burnt out on Christianity in a sense, like, and, and the system, like, it was like, like, it's like, it's, it's weird because you, you're now going back into a system that you now don't trust, right? And so, and, and by the way, I mean, like, I'm, one thing, I mean, like, I tend to be very open, like, my private, I mean, I struggle privately, but like I talk about it. Like I don't, I don't have, you know, I am what I am. Like, I mean, and so I hope so. I mean, I hope like I don't have a hidden side. Like, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm emotional, I'm intense. And, but like at the end of the day, like, like, I think, I think this, you know, my, my publishers would tell you like they could feel the tension too. Like, like I just have this, this wall that I had erected in my heart vis-a-vis uh, -vis, the Christian system. And so it was really hard to write at that very beginning. I went up north and, 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 you know, it's God's grace that allows you to then, you know, you just get in a place of, by the way, actually segue, a place of silence and solitude. And honestly, to me, I cannot grow. I cannot sense God's presence. I, I genuinely believe not just me. I think, I think humans cannot tune into God without taking time of silence and solitude with God. You have to do it alone. You have to do it quietly and 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 so part of the process of my ability to write this book and to find healing has been to spend chunks of time on my own with the Lord and I and that's been sort of the driving force to the retreat center that we started the Hope Ranch which you know was sort of a vague dream in the back of my mind that might happen in a few I don't know just a sort of a thing that I thought maybe you know I don't know like I had thought in the past about a retreat center somebody actually their sister was selling a conference center about 10 years six years ago up in northern Wisconsin, she told me about it. I drove up to see it. So it wasn't like a new idea, but it wasn't something that I talked about. And then as I started the process of writing Fractured Faith and seeing the value of having a place to go to, I, I think I just became more obsessed with this concept of creating a place where other people who may have, who may be hurting, can get away and just tune out, tune out the noise and be with the Lord. And so that's what we're trying to create with the whole branch. And so I think you'll see, as you finish the book, I think you'll see why, um, I don't know. I just think you. I think you need that place to heal. And granted, two days in our retreats, we're creating the venue where we can have two days. Of, for now, for maybe down the road, we'll open it open-ended. You can come and stay for a month. But for now, the two days, you might say, well, that's not a lot of time. What's well, something? 
it's it's something and i think most of us if we spent even one day with god we might be transformed but we're so busy with life and so i i hope that the things we're creating in our ministry are offering um you know ultimately we want to see people healed i want to see revival i want to see i want to i'm an er doctor i, I want to fix problems and while i can't fix them i want to create a uh, i want to allow the lord to use me to create an environment that that offers healing to people Amen. I want to, I love that. I want to hit some questions that came through. One more question that came through the Facebook, but then we had about four questions come through tonight, guys. So our time is going fast, Lena. So let's try to talk, tackle these. Here's a question from the Facebook. How do you keep going when you feel defeated and you feel like God's not there for you? Uh, you do it by God's grace at the end of the day, right? I mean, I honestly, like, like I've, I have wanted to quit a lot. There's a chapter on that. So whoever asked that question, you, you will like that chapter. You go straight to that chapter. I think it's chapter nine, the last one. Um, I, I genuinely believe like, like God keeps us. And I know that sounds like it's so, but it's the truth. I'm here because God has kept me. Honestly, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be out. And you go, well, what about the others? What about Joshua Harris? Is he? Well, we don't know the end of the story yet. We don't know how God's going to use it. Number one. I mean, and secondly, I think, I think you just, you just focus on the very next step. Like very practically speaking, feel like, okay, I don't want it to be esoteric. Like just do the next thing. Just take the next step. Like wake up the next day, write the next chapter, write the next page. You know, like it doesn't, you don't have to write the entire book in a day. You know, by the way, this is how I wrote Fractured Faith. I wanted to quit. And yet I took it one page, one chapter at a time, eventually it turned into a book. And I think that's how you do it. How do you do that next step? By God's grace. And so I, I think many of us, myself included, have this need to like have all the steps and have the plan. Right now I'm working on some messages for the next couple of months and I, I'm overwhelmed by it because I want to do them all really quick right away and it's like it doesn't work this way you just got to take it one step at a time and I have to sort of break that down and say okay God I can't do it all and in it is this act of, of intentional dependence where you realize like at the end of the day like you know how many patients can I see to make enough money to support the rehab of the you know or how many how many bible verses can I study to, to come up with a message you know it's like you just can't none of us can do it all none of us can and so I think there's an awareness of God I can't and now you're gonna have to carry me through and that takes literally 10 seconds to make that transition in your mind. But it, sometimes it takes you 10 years to get to those 10 seconds. And so spare yourself that pain and stop what you're doing and just do it in that moment. God, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm getting caught up in my, in my stuff. Can you just help me where I can't go take that next step? And so now, and just, just watch him just help you get through that next breath. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, not giving in to the emotion, but obedience, yeah. taking that next step. That's really good. Um, another question, and looking back, do you now feel mostly a sense of gratitude for that season that felt like it was going to break you? Um, gratitude right. for seasons of hardship and pain that have sharpened you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, yes. I mean, I think, okay, you know, that's the Christian answer, right? Yeah, I'm so happy. God used my, my pain to propel me into my purpose, right? I mean, like, like, I mean, there's like 1,600 tweetables on that, right? I mean, there's Instagram posts, Pinterest. I mean, and I don't disbelieve it. I don't mean to be cynical about it, but uh, am I grateful for it? I wish I had gone to a church that didn't break up. I wish I had gone to a church where the pastor uh, didn't get caught up in the stuff of the world. I wish I had gone to a church that had, the ability to continue in the state of revival that it started in. There's a lot of sadness in my heart over that. I wish we didn't live in a world where, where leaders go and have sexcapades in Thailand. I, I, I just, I wish that, that, that things were 
imperfect. And, and it's, it's funny, I talk about that in one of the chapters. We're, we're, God has given us this desire for perfection. Pre-fall, he gave us a perfect world. He created a perfect world. We're going there someday. And so that longing in our soul for perfection, I think it's from him. And so am I grateful that God can use my pain for good? Yes. But, you know, like ask any person who's lost a child. Like, you know, of course they're blessing others. Maybe somebody who's a Christian, you know, goes through a loss. Now he can, they can start a fund, help others, do counseling. Something good was born out of it. But they'll tell you a million times, like, I'd rather have that child back. So I think it's that same sort of feeling like am I glad to have this uh, at first I was like I mean there's moments I was like I don't want to read it like it's like but now it's at a point where if anyone is benefited from it of course I'm grateful um, I'm grateful that the Lord has drawn me closer to him in it but I wish there was an easier way I'm not gonna lie I'm ready I, I love I love the concept of we're gonna be reunited with Jesus someday like I, 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 I yearn for his presence in my life more and so yeah it's mixed bittersweet so yeah um question just popped up uh, after being heard in the church how did you have the trust to go to another church it's a great question and one i talk about in the book a lot you guys are asking great questions um it's funny, the very thing that dismantled my faith was the church, and God used the very thing that dismantled my faith to rebuild it. It was, it was the church, and you know, but it wasn't the church as we knew it. It was a church plant. It was a pastor who had gone through him, his own pain. Uh, my pastor is Carl Clausen, and he's, has his, I have him on my podcast. In the next nine weeks, we'll be inter- I have different people I'm interviewing on the podcast with stories of pain or some relation to pain and, and, and disillusionment, and, and he was that person, and so he understood me, and and he never pressed me and and he and his wife have been so gracious to me and continue to do so and i think that uh, god uses people to to minister to other people people with what's that saying people with scars help people with wounds and it was indeed that and and i'm telling you i still i don't you know i, I i'm not the same churchgoer i used to be i'm not going to lie i'm working on it um and 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 covid has given us sort of this cushion in a sense right i mean we're for a year we're all watching on zoom but now like it's like well, what's going to happen now we're going back to church in chicago now back to mass so who knows like we don't know what's going to happen this year as we get into winter but it sort of gave us a bit of a breather but really i mean i, I the first few months i mean i think it's I, I go to church with my guard up and i have to fight it and and then the lord is put you know in the work that i've done in, in with my own like therapy and sort of talking how do, how do you trust people again how do you build uh, you know we're created for friendship it, it doesn't come easy to me i'm an introvert by nature and i've been wounded and i'm sort of a single you know i'm very independent i'm able to live on and i have to but extra effort to make friendships and but the lord provided that in the context of the church and it was his grace again like a genie i don't know if she's on tonight she she i mean she i don't remember she texted me a couple times at one in the morning listen not because she was like burden on me at one in the morning i'll say genie because because she's a night owl i'm a morning person but i remember a year and a half ago when i got those texts it was at a very timely point and i couldn't believe somebody cared, you know cared about me enough it was little things like this where god was just showing me through the faithfulness of his people people that you'd never heard of people that were just you know regular christian in the local church and just 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 were ministering love in ways they don't even know she didn't know my story but they're just little things that god used in big ways and i think that's how he works i think we expect some kind of you know like but but god does the little things and 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 they're big things when you look back they're god things and i think i think um that was sort of how and i i still think to this day when i go to church i sort of have to take off that code of guardedness intentionally and so i think it's gonna i think we're living in that era right now there's a lot of 
us who struggle with that. And I think that the, the temptation and the tendency is to say, well, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm part of God's big church. Why do I have to be in a local church? And so we, we want to separate from it and we justify it. But ultimately, it's it's going to be to our hurt if we're not in a community of believers. And so I really believe in the local church. And I've been grateful for the grace of COVID in that. But I'm also a firm believer that that's the tool. Like, it's like a family. Like, like I know, and I'm single. I'm not, like, again, but, but God created us to be in, in community and family and relationship. And so you don't need a lot of those people. And they don't have to be big, famous people, but you need a few of them. And that's why we have this community. We really try to get to know you guys and pray for you. And I know this isn't the perfect venue and it's not live. And so you, this is just one way that we try to, you know, that's why we have now the retreat center. We want to try to create relationship in that way. But then there's in your own communities, people that God will put that will surprise you. I think that's been the surprising thing is how he's brought healing through unexpected places, AKA the local church and, and which should be the place of healing. But for a, a long time for me was a place of suspicion. So, yeah. Jeannie is watching. She appreciated uh, that. <laughs> with us tonight. So, Good. hi, Jeannie. Um, how did you learn not to run away from your feelings and turn to God? Well, I'm at Enneagram 3, which I believe means I do run away from my feelings. We're the, in the feeling triad. I know a little bit about the Enneagram, but um, I'm not a big, like, you know, you don't have to know the Enneagram. You're still going to go to heaven, but uh, and it doesn't matter which one you are. But, but I mean, I think in general, I do escape. I mean, I mean let me let, forget the Enneagrams. I'm an ER doctor. Like, we shut down our feelings, like, right? I'm an expert. I'm, I'm a professional at that. Like, I, I've, I've been taught how to do that. And so, no, I mean, I mean, God has had to press me to a place of feeling. And but but I function well. Like how I can write this book is I have to feel deeply. So it's a weird like dichotomy, right? Like I can numb everything. I can you know sort of escape it. You know get read fiction for the next ten months. Don't talk to me about anything. I constantly want to move to Tahiti. Like I don't want to think about anything. Like like I have an exit plan for every relationship and every situation in my life. I'm not proud of it, but it's a fact. And because I can, like I think, oh okay, I could sell the house. I can get out. I can go. I can. Practice medicine via tele. Like, like I have a plan, guys, and and it's um, sad, honestly. And I think I have zero intention of executing it, but it's how I, I function. Is I just don't want pain. I want to escape it. I want everything to be good and comfortable. And um, but I think I think God has. I think I know. Like I, I can tell when I'm there. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like, you know, you can go to church and you can sing the songs and go home and you're unfazed, but there are times you go and there's like revival happening in your life. There's a sense of intimacy with God. And so I don't know how the Lord works that out. For me, it has been a breaking point of pain. When I've hit so lo- when I hit rock bottom, I just, I have, it's a break. And I think brokenness is God's means to get us to a place of awareness of him and then dependence in him. And so I think, I think that's not accidental. I think God knows that we need that. And I think it's, it's commonly revealed in scripture. And so for me, the, when the pain gets bad enough, I can't escape it anymore. I turn to God. And again, you go back to, it's not my work, it's him. Because honestly, like I, there's a chapter, I talk about marshmallow eating and it's an analogy. You'll read it when you get the book, but like, I would just eat stuff my face with marshmallows for the rest of my life if it was up to me. And and then wake up one day and be like, okay, is it heaven time yet? And and hope that God's grace will still get, but, but God has a better plan for us than stuffing our face with marshmallows, which is our means to numb our pain, basically, whatever that means is. And so I think really that you go back to, that's why, that's why the theme, when Diana said, what's the, sum it up in an ER language. Well, when you think you've lost your hold on God, he still has his hold on you. And so the theme of the book is, 
I don't run Christianity, God does. Like if he's real and if he's active and if he's alive and if he's good, then somehow, despite all the mess that I make, and, and yes, there's a cooperation. Yes, there's, you know, there's always that, you know, that tension in Christianity. Like people are like, well, if you're not changing, then you're not really a Christian. But but the truth is like he loved us before we were changed. Like, like I think we don't preach that enough of the fact that his grace is so deep. I don't think any of us can comprehend it until we get to the place where we think, man, I never thought I'd need it at that point. Like, I never thought I'd do that. And then his grace is still there. And to me, that's been sort of the most astounding thing about God, because you can all reject me, and he still would love me. And I, I don't understand that. Uh, you can all judge me, and he would still accept me because of Jesus, you see. And I think that is just so powerful. But, but to get to that place where you see that clearly, that's, that's breakthrough. Yeah, um, that's great. We have a lot of questions, but I think I'll ask one more. Does that sound good? Yeah, because it, we, we're also going to have chances at the book club to ask more. So there'll be times to ask more of them. This has been great, though. What's your last one, yeah. though? I wanted to ask you a question. What's your love language? <laughs> You're such a dork. That's hilarious. Well, it is words of affirmation, period. Oh, <laughs> Send me a note later. I know them all. I know everything. I mean, I INJF. I mean, I, I know it all. I don't know if I apply it anywhere, but I know it all. No, that's funny. <laughs> oh, good. Thank you. So She's a good interviewer, guys, isn't she? Words of affirmation. We will remember that. I'm going to ask this last question, then I'm going to shoot a couple of quick wrap-ups at you. What is the best way to walk along a friend who is going through a season of hurt? It's presence. I think the proximity and presence. Proximity is like the nearness. I think just, just being there close to them. You know, I, this is, I mean, not even just friends. Like, I'm thinking about, like, today, tonight, today has been, this woman has been on my mind that I've never met, but whose son killed himself. And I think sometimes, like, what can we do? Like, I, I can't just do what I'm praying for you. Like, you know, we sent her a message, we're praying for you. But, like, she's been on my mind every single day, and I'm praying for her. But to, I sent her another message, she sent me, you know, and I haven't heard back. I understand she's, I'm not saying, but the point is, like, all people really need is to know that they're seen. I really, I, that's all, when I was hurting, like all I wanted was someone to be like, I see you, I see you're hurting. Honestly, that's all therapy does. At the end, I mean, there's a lot more, I'm not saying, but like, but it's, it's, it's an affirmation that I'm not crazy. I, I think that was the most biggest breakthrough for me in therapy was just to be like, like, you're not losing your mind. Like you've been hurt, like this is crazy. And, and I think that is the gift that you can give somebody who's in pain, it's just to affirm that what they've gone through is real. People who've been gone through any kind of abuse, just to acknowledge, that's why when, when people don't believe somebody who says I've been abused, why it's so painful to the person who's abused because they just feel like they're disbelieved, that they're not seen, that they're not valuable. And so that's presence. It's not just being like a little note, but it's presence of staying in the spirit with someone. And by the way, there were a lot of questions. I did see three or four questions that came through in the earlier in the week about forgiveness. I talk about that in a bit in the book. And we'll talk, when we do the chapter that I talk about forgiveness, I think it's chapter four of the book. Um, we'll, we'll do it in the book club. We'll talk more about that. So if you had a question about forgiveness, we will get back to it. Um, that's tough. I mean, that's a, that, that, that was just, as we wrap up, I just keep to my mind. So that has nothing to do with walking with someone, but in general, just, uh, I don't think, I think we try our American way, um, 
if, if, by the way, if you're an Enneagram 3, our whole culture in the U.S. is an Enneagram 3. We want to fix things. We want people, you know, we want everything to, you know, we're like, work hard, fix it, move forward. Like, we just have it. And I think we bring that to people, which I don't think is a service. So we want, like, uh, and I, I'm tempted, I'm, Diana knows, like, I'm a fix-it person. So I hear a problem, and I want to fix it. Like, I want to give you, like, like, just go, you know, why don't you just blah, 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 blah. It doesn't work that way, right? Just like it didn't work on me. And so I think when you talk about walking with a friend who's hurting, I don't think it's our job to fix them. I think just our job is to love them, to just be with them. And I think that's love. Is bottom line is God became man, came to earth. Why? To be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. That's the gift of presence. There's an understanding when you're just sitting with someone that I think is different than just sending us a letter from heaven going, hey, I've forgiven you. You just need to like sign this dotted line and you're fine. No, he came and he was with us. He understands our pain. So that there's, well, there's never a moment where we're hurting. We can be like, Jesus, do you understand what I'm going through? And he, he's like, yeah, I do actually. And there's a gift in that. Good. So uh, I know we don't like to go past eight, and our time is dwindling down here. So do you have a favorite quote? Just quick liners to wrap up the interview. A quote? From the book. No, I mean, <laughs> I can't think of one right now. Don't worry. Okay. You have one? Wait, do you have one? Uh, I- ah, see, you're trying to stump me. I think I already said the one that I like the most, which is when you think you've lost your hold on, of God, he's got his hold on you. I like the prayer that we gave away on the printable the a lot. Prayer, yeah. Yeah. Lord, uh, so it's a quick prayer, but it's like eyes, ears, mouth, and heart. So God, open my eyes that I may see. This is about a be- living in awareness of God. Open my eyes that I may see, see you. Open my ears that I may hear you. Open my heart or open my mouth that I may declare your praise and open my heart that I may receive all you have for me today. So it's easy to remember because it's like eyes, ears, mouth, and heart. Favorite chapter? Um, chapter three. Chapter three? I don't know. I don't know. It's like asking me what's my favorite child. I don't have a favorite child. These are like your quick wrap-up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm overanalyzing it all. What's that? Favorite story. Favorite story? The, the leather chair. Hands down. <laughs> yeah. That and I, my favorite anecdote, that, everybody's favorite anecdote, I've gotten a lot of comments on it, is that I had a perm once. Maybe once we launched the book in that week, we'll put a picture. I'll have to hunt out a picture of me with a perm. I have to make it somewhere. And last, do you really love marshmallows? <laughs> I really like s'mores. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, well, that was a good last question. I love God and Jesus more. If you know the answers to these questions, guys, then you got to get the book. But that is my part of the interview. Lena, take it away as we close. Yeah, we're just going to close in prayer. This is great, guys. Um, yeah, we've made it a year and a half with cutting the time at an hour. But Diana does a fant- fantastic job doing interviews. I'm going to have her on the podcast soon, I told her. But I like that format. You do so good. But yeah, let's just pray. I, I love you guys. I appreciate you guys listening, whether it's podcast listeners or YouTube or Facebook. We, we're really privileged to serve you, honestly. You, uh, we, we wouldn't want the ministry if we didn't have you guys in our life and we mean that like I, I mean I, I, 
every day is an opportunity to be like, man, I'm, I'm going to throw in the towel and just be a doctor. And, and, and we stay showing up because of you. So thank you for all of the love and support. Even as we, I mean, this is the last preseason, you know, remember I told you guys this is like the preseason uh, three, you know, game series before the season begins. And so the book will launch. We'll get into the book club. We don't know what God's going to do with this book. We're hoping for great things, mainly because we're hoping for healing in big ways for people. But whatever it is, like we see how much you're investing in us. And I, I'm telling you on behalf of Irina, Diana, Irina, man, she's the quiet warrior. She's not here, but I want to also give a shout out to her. She is the reason anything is public, like all of the stuff that y'all see. She's our social media person. She's the creative con content of that. Like, I mean, she just literally is working so hard right now. And I, I'm so grateful for her. But honestly, we just, I, we see what you guys are doing to spread the word about the book. We see you tuning in to us. I mean, we're, we're I mean, I don't, I don't mean this in a like self critical way. I mean, it's like, we're no ones. Like I'm a girl from Lebanon. Like we, you know, my name, I can't even pronounce. Right. I mean, I had a perm once. Right. So, I mean, the point of it is we're, you're just, you see, I think you see God moving and I think you're hungering in your hearts for a movement of God. And so that's what I'm going to pray for. And so God, that's it. That's the, we long for you, God. We long for you. We long for you to restore your church. We long for you to heal our hearts. We long for you, God, to remove the veil from our own eyes. God, we've been blinded by our pain. So God, please, in this moment, I pray for those who are still bogged down and defeated and hurting and, and God, some rightfully wrong. I mean, or rightfully feeling bad for the wrong that is done. And God, they have not seen justice. And so the weight on them is so heavy. And so God, I pray for an extra abundant mercy. I talked about your grace tonight. Some people don't feel that grace yet in their life. Open our eyes to live in awareness of who you are. Let our pain lead us to a place of connection with you. I pray for those who have for now left the faith, who have say they no longer believe that your grace would reach them. God, you've done it over and over again. I think about Samson. He was on the verge of death. He was blinded. Somehow you restored his faith. God, there are many others that you show us in your book, God. People was Ahab, the most wicked king, and yet he had a moment of repentance. And so, God, I believe with all my heart that you pursue people. And so, Father, tonight, pursue us, pursue us. Those of us, some of us think we're walking in the truth, and, and we're still far from you. We're stuck in a way of, of, of performance and legalism that we ask you, we repent of, and we ask you to stir our hearts and help us to sense the fires of revival again in our spirits. And God, please, please use us us, your children, your followers, your family, to bring revival to this nation, God, instead of brokenness, that we would be agents of healing, God, that you would heal us to the place where, God, the things that are culturally relevant are no longer as important to us because we're so transformed and transfixed by Jesus. And so, God, please, those are things we ask that we cannot do in our own strength. And so we humbly beg you, God, to use us in any which way you want. Oh, Father, we commit to you our lives, our families, our ministries, our jobs. Please, God, please let your imprint be on them. God, there's so much wrong we do every day. God, this, this week, just so much wrong, so much sin out of this mouth, God, out of this heart. And yet, God, I know that your grace is sufficient, that where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. And so, God, for anyone else who's wrestling with their demons, that you would just give the light of Jesus and the freedom that only you can give. God, I pray tonight, especially for those who are hurting physically with, with physical sickness. I pray for your supernatural heal, healing. I think of my mom under the weather and so many others right now, God. And Lord, mostly I pray for this woman I've mentioned a few times tonight. Please, God, please, for those who are struggling with emotional pain, with loss, and God, with situations too heavy to even bear. Father, please let your spirit 
the Spirit of God, God, we believe your Spirit is alive and in us, that you would lift up our shoulders and our heads, that we would see the light of Christ in the midst of our pain. And so, God, please be with the situation in Afghanistan right now. God, there are people who have lost loved ones in the last few hours in Afghanistan, and American soldiers, but God, all over the world and see the loss. But this hurts, God, because there's so much going on in that situation and the oppression that's happening now with the Christians who are suffering near persecution now. And God, there's just a lot of things for us to carry. So we bring them to the foot of the cross. But God, please, our hearts just long for you to return and to bring us to, to, to a kingdom where you rule, where peace reigns forevermore, a place of perfection. And so God, please give courage to those who are in a place where they need it more tonight. Please, God, give hope to those who feel hopeless. God, I pray for my own people in Lebanon, for the Syrian refugees. Church, continue to use us to provide for those people. God, please, Lord, please bring a harvest of even more fruit in our ministry so that we can do more for your kingdom. God, may you protect us from ourselves, from our own pride, from our own self-centeredness, self-seeking, selfish ambitions. Father, protect us from envy and hatred and gossip and lust and on and on those things that just from fear from anxiety and worry the things that take us away from you please god deliver us from those things and help us tonight at least for a moment to have a deep sense of your presence god thank you for the peace that passes all understanding that only you can give we rejoice in your grace and your son in your presence with us it is in jesus's name that i pray amen Well, that ends our podcast for today. Again, I'm so glad you listened to this conversation. This was a fun interview. I love my sister. I'm so grateful for her in my life. Mostly, I'm thankful that you are part of our life and ministry. If you've never emailed us before and want to tell us a little bit about yourself, I'd love to hear from you at lina, L-I-N-A, at livingwithpower.org. Again, remember that you can join our Thursday night community group. In fact, moving forward in the next few weeks, we'll be doing a book club on the book Fractured Faith, and you are invited to join live Uh, The Facebook page is, uh, you can find it one of two ways. You can either go to Facebook and put in Living With Power Community, or you can go to our website, livingwithpower.org, and at the very top of the page, you'll see a tab that says join our community. Either way, thank you for being part of our community and uh, hope to see you tonight. Otherwise, uh, enjoy the rest of your week, and I'll see you again next week. We'll be doing a series of interviews with people about uh, their faith and how they have struggled and found life again, and I hope it brings life to your soul. Hey, have a great day. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Listen, he's not done with you yet. In fact, he's just getting started. Have a great day.